The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Hey, I, I, I confess, I'm a little more giddy this time of year, especially the closer we get to Christmas. Any of you like that? You're like, oh my gosh, I still just have those feelings of Christmas and Christmas. I just get giddy this time of year. If you're a friend of Story City Church, you know, um, you know that uh, I, I like to celebrate Christmas really early. I've been celebrating before Halloween, and I make no apologies about it. And I don't care if you judge me for it or not. I love Christmas, all right? And uh, I've been waiting for Christmas for a month and a half. And uh, some of you guys have been waiting for Christmas like I have. And then some of you guys have been waiting for it to get over, right? How many of you guys have been waiting for it to get over? Some of you, like, I just want it to pass. And then the rest of us, uh, the rest of us, we're like, man, I just can't wait for Christmas to get here. Whether you, you couldn't wait for it to get here or you couldn't wait for it to pass, sometimes uh, we feel like the guy in this video. Watch, watch this outtake from our oh, bumper video series. If you're a Christian uh, this morning, yeah, our creative team does a great job. If you're a, Christ, a Christian this morning, um, we, we celebrate this time of year, and we call it Advent. It simply means arrival. It's a season of waiting, and, and we've all been waiting for the arrival and the birth of Jesus. This morning, I want to preach a message titled, Waiting for Peace. Waiting for Peace peace. Um, the older I get, um, the more I think I realize how introverted I really am. Any of you guys get older and you're like, okay, I, I thought I was an extrovert, but as I got older, I like, like, I just want some peace. Any of you guys like that? Like the older I get, I'm like, I think I'm really introvert. I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. Like I thought I was, uh, our staff was in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago and we were doing some training and then celebrating Christmas together. And we went out, uh, for dinner and we got done at eight 30. And all I could think of when we got done at 8 30 is I just want to get back to the hotel room I just want some peace you know what I'm talking about like if the 25 year old Matt had been there no kids single looking for a good time like I, I would have had another four or five hours in me but the 41 year old Matt is like I just want to get back to the hotel room because I need some peace you know what I'm talking about I think all of us are in need of peace. So many of us especially in our culture are waiting for peace we're looking for peace and the Christmas story, it really is a story about an offer of peace. Some of the most familiar and encouraging and comforting and peaceful words at Christmas come from the passage we're going to teach from this morning. It's a traditional Christmas passage. If you've been around church this time of year, you've probably heard it. If you came to church this morning looking for some comforting words, some, some encouraging words, some, some peaceful words, I want to say to you this morning... I'm glad you're here. I want to preach a message titled, Waiting on Peace. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, this is what the scripture says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire 
Roman world. Verse 2, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Verse 5, and he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. We read about that last week. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. If you know the history and the culture of what's happening here 2,000 years ago, shepherds probably would have been the least likely suspects to receive a message from a king. They were typically considered the lowest class in society. In fact, their testimony would not have even been valid in a court of law. If you were a shepherd at the time, you were probably likely a child, a son, a daughter. You were probably likely an unskilled laborer. And so the angels appear to these shepherds, these unskilled laborers, these, these people who were considered the lowest class of society. And the fact that they appear to shepherds is significant. I believe it's important. Let me just say to you this morning, even though for some of us this morning, Christmas is a time that we love. Christmas is a time we celebrate. We love the movies. We love the songs. We love our families. For some of us in this auditorium and listening by internet this morning, Christmas is a time that reminds us how disappointed some of us are in life. Christmas reminds some of us how lonely we really are. Christmas is the time of year, it's a season of year that reminds us of family members that are no longer with us. Just this morning, I texted a friend of mine who's a pastor in Phoenix. He lost his mother two days ago after a battle with Alzheimer's. Christmas is a season where some of us are reminded that our family is dysfunctional. We got a lot of Cousin Eddies in our family, and maybe some of us are Cousin Eddies ourselves, and Christmas reminds us of that. And I just wonder this morning if the shepherds on that first Christmas when they were visited by angels, I wonder if they felt like their lives weren't the best either. If they felt like they didn't live the most envious life either. And I want to say to us this morning, maybe you're in the same place. Maybe you're in the same place this Christmas season. But the only ones who heard the angels were these shepherds watching their flocks by night. God's primary way, his primary way of speaking to people in scripture is always through flawed and broken people. And I want to say to us this morning, that's good news for everybody here. You know why? Because you're flawed and you're broken and I'm flawed and I'm broken. And all of us bring that into the Christmas story. Yet the, sh the shepherds were visited by an angelic message and the fact that they were the lowest class in society to me is significant. God visited them. That's good news for us today. Here's some of that good news. Verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And listen to what it says. And they were afraid. We've had two stories already 
this Christmas season in this series about angels visiting people who we see their experience is fear. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And so we have another angel in scripture who appears to another group of people. And that group of people, when they are in the presence of an angel, are afraid. But as usual, the angel puts their fears at bay when the angel says, fear not. And I think that's a comforting word for us this morning. I think it's a very comforting word this morning. One scholar says the words, do not be afraid, appear 366 times in scripture. One for every day of the year, plus one. And if we were honest this morning, some of us would say, fear controls me. Fear of financial failure, fear of relational failure, fear of our enemies, fear of our health, But the message from the angels this morning is that every one of our fears can be put to rest in the presence of God. Psalm chapter 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so the shepherds didn't have anything to fear that first Christmas night for the same reason that you have no reason to fear this morning. Why is that? The reason is because of good news. The angels announced the good news, and this is it in verse 11. Now listen to this good news. Today. Verse 11 starts out, today. It was a real day, by the way. It was a day in which Caesar, um, it was a day in which God knew before the foundation of the world It was a day that God knew Caesar would be emperor. It was a day that God knew Quirinius would be governor. The angel said, today, no more waiting, shepherds. Today, in the town of David, the the angels say, a savior has been born. Listen to me. If you've ever sinned against God, you need a savior. If you've ever sinned against God, you need a savior. And only God can forgive sins. And that's why he sent a savior. Do you understand that? God did not send a career counselor because your greatest need was not career advancement. God did not send a financial planner because your greatest need is not financial accruing. God did not send you fill in the blank because your greatest need was that you needed and I needed a savior. And our greatest need has been met through the coming of a savior that we've been waiting for, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church, the sovereign one, the mighty God, the everlasting father, according to the book of Isaiah, the prince of peace. The angel says today, today, no more waiting in the town of David, a savior has been born. Listen to what the angels say to you. Good news this morning is very, very personal. The Savior was given to you. You know the scripture. Maybe you've watched football games. Maybe you saw Tim Tebow write it on his eyes before they said he couldn't write it on his eyes. John 3, 16, for God, if you know it, fill it in with me. So love the world that if he gave his only begotten son, that if he believes in him, we would not perish and have everlasting life. The good news this morning is that the angels came to announce 
that Jesus was available to all nations, all walks of life, all classes, all ethnicities, and that announcement came to the angels first. Do you understand this? If that announcement had come to kings and dignitaries, there would probably be people who would say, I'm not sure the message that God has for us is actually for us. It's probably reserved for a certain class of people. But listen to what the shepherds say. The God of the universe has sent his son Jesus to you, to you this morning, to me this morning, whatever walk of life you're in this morning. Verse 12 says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then listen to what happens next. We have one angel who's announced the news. Now we have an entire mass choir that shows up to the shepherds. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Praising God and saying, verse 14, and this is where we're going to end this morning. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This good news is announced by one angel, but the good news that this one angel announced demanded an entire host, an entire army of angels to celebrate. And the good news that this angel announced this morning resulted in two things that are relevant to you today. Two things that are important for you today. And the first is this. The first thing that resulted from the good news the angels announced to the shepherds in the fields watching their flock by night is glory to God. Now listen to me, bear with me for just a moment. That seems ethereal, that seems um, in some cos cosmotic statement. I don't even think that's a word, but I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> the coming of Jesus is the greatest revelation of God himself. Jesus is the full revelation of God. And because God gave us his son, we give him glory. Now I'm going to unpack that in just a moment. The second thing that resulted from the good news to the shepherds, now listen to me. This is not a story that has impact for a couple shepherds in a field by themselves 2,000 years ago. This is a message that has an impact for people sitting in the Colony Theater in 2018. The second thing that resulted from the good news preached to the shepherds, also preached to you this morning, is peace on earth. Are you waiting on peace this morning? The coming of Jesus also results, listen to this, in peace to God's people. The Bible says one day the entire earth is going to be filled with God's righteousness, his holiness, his goodness. One day the entire world will be filled with people's, uh, God's people uh, who experience peace together. In fact, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And so there will be a day when the entire world is filled with the righteousness of God, the peace among his people. But until then, what about today? What about this moment? Well, the reality is that everywhere this God child, Jesus himself is received, the result is that peace comes with him. Now listen to me. Let me summarize this and let me get very practical for just a moment. There are two results of Jesus being born, the one we've been waiting for. The first result is this, glory that continually ascends from man to God. We give glory to God with our lives. The second result is peace that descends from God 
to man. As we give glory to God, his peace comes back to us. And this morning, we gave glory to God by singing worship songs and praising God. By the way, did you notice Andy and I had the same shirt on this morning? I don't know if you noticed that. I picked it out last night, and I said with 100% confidence, Andy's going to wear the same shirt. I knew he would. We gave glory to God this morning by singing praises to him. When you go home this afternoon, you give glory to God by loving your wife well, loving your roommate well, loving your friends well, loving your neighbor well. You give glory to God when you go back to work this week by doing all things for the glory of God. And this is what the coming of God's son was about. Listen to me, listen to me. The glory of God and the peace of man. God's greatness, our joy. If you've ever heard the song, and I would imagine because all I listened to for the last month and a half is Christmas music, you've probably heard the song this Christmas season, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And that song was written way back in the 1800s by a, a poet by the name of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He didn't actually put music to it until someone else did years later. And um, every stanza of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day ends with these words, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can you sing it? You hear it in your, your head right now? Of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow took these words from a version of the Bible known as the King James Version. It was the first version of the Bible that was translated into English. And so most commentators after um, the King James Version translates this verse differently. The King James Version translates those words, glory to God, of peace on earth to men, goodwill to men. Every translation since then typically translates it like this. Now listen to me. This is important for you this morning. Peace on earth, listen, to those on whom God is pleased. There's a distinction there because we can sing peace on earth, goodwill to men, and think this is something that's dispersed throughout all of humanity. But there's a very specific message from the angels this morning. Peace on earth to those on whom God is pleased. Listen to me. The point is, God makes his offer of peace to all. God makes his offer of peace to all, but only those who receive Christ. Only those who trust him with their life as Lord and Savior experience the peace and the joy that he brings. I don't know if you know this about the Nobel um, Prize person who was named for the Nobel Prize. His name was Alfred Nobel. He was a Swedish scientist. He was named for the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know if you know this, but Alfred Nobel made his fortune creating dynamite. Did you know that? <laughs> And so in 1888, there was a Paris newspaper that mistakenly reported that Alfred Noble was dead. And the headline in the paper that day in 1888 said, the merchant of death is dead. In other words, dynamite was originally used and originally created the death of many people. When Noble read the newspaper article, he was ashamed. And he was embarrassed that his life had been notarized by being a person who caused death to many. The result was he spent the rest of his life trying to change the opinion of people about him. And so what we have today is a prized name for people of peace. Listen, that was born out of a person who was frustrated and he wanted to rewrite his own death notice. Now, every Nobel Peace Prize winner since then 
has taken us just a little ways down the road in our world towards peace. But if you know this and you read historians, historians will tell you there's never been a significant, sustained time in error of peace in world history. It just has not happened. There's always been chaos. There's always been conflict. And even though we honor those who bring peace, they've only brought us just a little ways down the road towards peace. And what God would say to us this morning is there won't be unending peace. There won't be permanent peace until Jesus reigns on earth again. Now listen, until then though, the peace of God until then, the peace of God is offered to everyone now, but only those who receive his offer will experience it. Can I ask you this morning, how do you know? How do you know that you are part of the angel's promise, peace on earth, to those on whom God is well pleased? How do you know that? The answer is, you know that if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In the chaos of Christmas this year, in the chaos of Christmas, it's my hope, it's our hope as a church that you experience peace in at least three places in your life. And I'm gonna close with these very practical things. Number one, we hope you'll experience peace with God. Number two, we hope you'll experience peace with yourself. Number three, we hope you'll experience peace with other people. Before I just make this practical to you this morning, I want to say to us, we cannot separate what the angels put together. You know what they put together? They put the glory of God with the peace of man together. Do you have peace with God this morning? God gives us peace. Listen to me. How does it happen? God gives us peace when he's the most glorious person in our lives. Scripture refers to God as a God of peace. Romans chapter 16, verse 20, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Philippians chapter four, verse nine, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Listen to what Philippians four says. And the God of peace will be with you. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Listen, the implication, what does it mean, Pastor Matt? The implication is that if we want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in our lives. Christ must rule in our lives. You don't find peace apart from God himself. And he gives you peace. How? When he's the most glorious the most wonderful thing in your lives. When our lives are lived in such a way that we're determined to bring glory to God, listen, we will then know the peace of God. We will then know the peace of God because peace is the most basic need we have. Peace with God, by the way, is the cornerstone of the other two parts of peace. Peace with yourself peace with others. If you don't have peace with God, it's going to be difficult to have peace with yourself. It will be even more difficult to have peace with others. I quote this verse often if you're around here, but Romans chapter five, verse one says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified is his legal term. 
Baptist term that we would see in a court of law. It's literally a legal term that says you have been declared not guilty. In this context, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, justified means we've been declared not guilty by God. And how are we declared not guilty? The scripture says by faith. Listen to me. You're not declared not guilty by God by your works. You're not declared not guilty by God by your family's religion. You're not declared not guilty by God by showing up on Christmas Sunday. You're not declared not guilty by God because you've been baptized. You are declared not guilty by God when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus. And what is the result? Listen to me. The result is peace with God. Listen, listen to this. The result is peace with God. God then adopts us into his family from this point forward. All of his dealings with us are for our good, the scripture says. He will never be against us. We are a child of God. We have peace with God. We don't have to be afraid. Do you have peace with God today? Do you have peace with God? If you have peace with God, you have the potential to have the second type of peace, which is peace with ourselves. Peace with ourselves. Peace with God by being justified by faith. Listen to me. means that we can begin to enjoy peace with ourselves. For some of you guys, that seems like a pipe dream. For some of you, the idea of having peace with yourself feels like a pipe dream that you're never going to imagine and realize. Christmas, by the way, is the perfect storm for all of us. Bring our hearts and our minds under assault, fill us with guilt, worry, confusion, insecurity, anger, uncertainty. Just this week, our staff experienced the anger of someone who we believe is experiencing the same things at Christmas. Listen, people are rushing everywhere, right? You're rushing to the mall. You're rushing to finish work. You're rushing to close out the year. You're rushing to the conclusions about your own social life. You're rushing to say goodbye, rushing to parties, rushing to a sale, rushing home to family. And for some, the Christmas season is a reminder of what you do not have. In this Christmas season, you're like, I have no peace within myself. It's a reminder of what you wish you had. It's a reminder of disappointment and loss. And because of this thing, because of all these things, our peace is threatened. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 is a good reminder. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... Listen to this. This is so good. Let me help you this morning if you're having trouble with peace within yourself. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request, who? To your wife, no. To your kids, they don't care. To your boss, he especially does not care. To God. Present your request to God. And what's the result? Listen and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying God wants to guard your heart this morning. God wants to, to guard your mind this Christmas season. What does he want to do? He wants to guard us with his peace. Now listen to me. He does it in a way that our human minds cannot fathom how he accomplishes it. And listen, it's easy to read the scripture. You've been around church for a while. You've read the scripture often. It's easy to rush past this promise of God this Christmas season and say to God, yes, God, I've read it a million times, but show me. <laughs> Can I say to you this morning, don't limit the peace of God 
by understanding only what you can see. Don't limit the peace of God by understanding only what you can see. God gives us peace. Listen to me, listen to me. This is about as practical as I can get this morning. God gives us peace when we take our guilt, we take our worry, we take our confusion, we take our insecurity, we take our anger, and we bring it in prayer to him, and we trust him, listen to this, that he's going to carry it for us and protect us from them. Now listen, listen to this. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. This is such a good scripture. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Listen to me. Do you trust that promise of God today? Or is God a liar? Do you trust that promise of God today? Or is God a liar? You don't have to be disabled by fear and anxiety and worry and guilt this Christmas season. Why? Because God cares for you. Because God cares for you. Now listen to this. That verse in 1 Peter chapter 5 says cast. Cast gives us this idea to cause something to move on. It gives us this idea to put responsibility on someone. In other words, we cause something to move on. We put responsibility on someone. Can I tell you the last six months of pastoral ministry at Story City Church have probably been the best six months I've experienced here. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why. There's a lot of reasons why, but one of the reasons why is because we hired an administrative assistant. <laughs> and yeah, and if you know my personality, you're like, praise the Lord, that was the best thing ever. And so, and so what happened was the, the ordinary course of ministry, marriages and, and difficulties and dealing with broken dreams and, and all, the ordinary course of ministry doesn't keep me up at night. <laughs> The administrative part of ministry does. And so we hired Sherry Gaitis. She's been incredible the last six months. She's done a phenomenal job. Now listen to me. Do you know what I did? <laughs> I cast the administrative burden on Carrie, on Sherry. I caused something from my plate to move on and I put responsibility on her. And I allowed her to worry about it. <laughs> And there are a lot of days when she worries because I put a lot of things, I cause a lot of things to move on to her. God says, cast, cause to move on. Put your responsibility on me. Put your worries on me. Put your insecurity on me. Put your anger on me. Put your uncertainty on me. Cast it all on me. That is so good this morning. In pastoral ministry and life, maybe you're a person who people come to and they cast their worries on you. If you're that kind of person where people come to you and they bring their broken marriages, they bring their failing dreams, they bring their broken hearts, listen to me, it's difficult. It's difficult. And if that's you and you're honest, probably this happens to you often. There are times when you say, I just cannot take responsibility for this today. I just can't take responsibility and bear the burden for this anymore. But listen to me, not God. Not God. <laughs> 
not God. He never tires from you putting the responsibility on him for your worries. Church, isn't that an incredible promise of God to you today? Do you believe God's promise to you today? You're disappointed in relationships this season. Cast it on him. You're tired from rushing around this season. Cast it on him. You're lonely and hoping for somebody to spend life with. Cast it on him. You want a child to nurture and grow up in the admonition of the Lord. Cast it on him. You're insecure because of what you don't have this season. Cast it on him. Now listen to me, I'm gonna put this on the screen and it's a wordy statement, but I want you to take it down. Take a picture if you need to. The God who calls you his child has a supernatural way, a way that our minds can't fathom beyond our way of comprehending, of never tiring from casting, you casting your cares on him. God has a supernatural way beyond our comprehension of never getting tired of your marriage problems and your work problems and your child problems. And he never tires from you casting that on him. Now listen to this. He also has a supernatural way that when you do so, (laughs) he responds beyond our way of comprehending, listen, by restoring peace to you. That's the promise of Philippians chapter four. When we cast our cares on him, he's got this supernatural way of responding and restoring peace to you. Let God restore you this Christmas season. Let God protect you this Christmas season. Let God help you this Christmas season. And when God does, allow that peace to flow to others. That's the third part of peace that we hope you experience this Christmas season. Not only peace with God, it's foundational. Peace with yourself, but also peace with others. And maybe for you this morning, this is the most difficult. (laughs) If some of your friends were honest, they would maybe look at you and say, you know what, you're a really difficult person to get along with. So I want you to listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Some of you have had the ability all year long to escape the pain of relationships in your family because you don't live in the same proximity as your family. But for some of you, you're about to go home, you're about to head to a family dinner, you're about to celebrate Christmas Eve together, you're gonna open up presents together on Christmas morning and you're already anticipating it's going to be awkward. Some of you probably imagine that you have relationships that seem impossible to navigate. Why? Because it's been difficult as long as you can remember. It's always been that way. And then others of you, you know what happened. You know what you should do, but it may seem hard. Listen to me as we close here this morning. I want you to remember something. The glory of God is the glove that fits the hand of peace. They go together. They go together. You can experience peace without meditating on what Christ has done for you. Can I read that for you from Colossians chapter 3, verse 12? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Now listen to what Paul says. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And listen to how he closes. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Can I assert to you this morning that when you reflect and you meditate on what Jesus has done for you, it should bring wonder. It should bring amazement. It should bring transformation. Why? Because you and I, in spite of our sin, yes, we're all sinners. You and I, in spite of our sins, listen, have been forgiven by God if we've received his son as Lord and Savior. If you're a friend of Story City, you've heard us say this before. We quote a pastor often. We say this, the gospel is that we are more sinful than we ever believed, yet at the same exact time, more love than we can ever imagine. If you'll meditate on that this Christmas season, it'll bring wonder. It'll bring amazement. has the potential to bring transformation. If you'll cultivate this truth, you would be filled with a sense of amazement. The amazement that I, a sinner, have peace with God. And then you extend that 70 times seven to others. Pastor, what if it's not received at Christmas dinner? I would cause you to reflect on the fact that it was also thrown back in Jesus's face on the cross. And I would encourage you this Christmas that that's your experience, your kindness, in your peacefulness towards others, it's not reciprocated. It's thrown back to you. Don't let it hurt you. Don't let it make you bitter. Be amazed <laughs> that you wronged the God of the universe, and yet every single day, he could not love you any more than he does right now. Be amazed that you have peace with God. Be amazed that you have peace with yourself. If you will remember this week to put Jesus in the place of glory that no one else or no other thing should occupy, not a person, not a gift, not an accomplishment, listen to me, then your story this week will resonate with the announcement of the angels. And what was that announcement? Glory to God in the highest place of your life and on earth peace among his people will be your experience. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I pray that God will get the glory in your life this week, this final week of Christmas. And I also pray that you will experience the peace that he offers. Let's pray together. God, we settle our hearts this morning on the wondrous and amazing fact, God, that you loved us extraordinarily in spite of our sin against you. God, would you settle our hearts and our minds this Christmas season on the fact that you offer peace to us if we would trust you. 
God, that you provided the solution to our problem of sin. Would you allow that wondrous message, that wondrous fact to amaze us, to astound us, that in spite of our offense against you, yet you still loved us and you've never changed your love. You don't love us any less today than you did yesterday or tomorrow. God, may our experience this Christmas season and the remaining days be peace among men. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.